1: Five,
2: four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
0: A confirmed attack
2: is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been
0: reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs,
1: aliens, ghosts, bigfoot, conspiracies, and cover-ups. Into and the paranormal we week.
2: From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Good evening. There's been a lot of talk about UFOs lately. Uh, The U.S. seems to be far ahead of all of the other countries when it comes to UFO disclosure, having held now three congressional hearings and one NASA study group meeting, all in less than a year and a half. And that is unprecedented, actually. AARO, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, seems like they're finally getting their act together. They now have a website. It happened the day after we went on the air and said, where's the website? Not that I think that they were listening or not. It was just convenient timing. But nonetheless, uh, there is still no way for anyone to report their sightings to AARO more than a year after they were created under the Department of Defense. But the world is watching. They're hoping that the United States will spill the beans on UAP and extraterrestrial life. But of course, we know it is far more complicated than that. It's called the truth embargo. But when we're talking about coming clean with the secrets on UFOs, uh, perhaps even crash debris, as has been alleged of late, and even extraterrestrial biological entities. It really comes down to a need to know. There are only certain individuals who can access that data. It requires a high security clearance. So we're talking about intelligence officials, military officers, presidents. They are all believed to have this clearance. But not congressmen. They are not at a high enough level in which to be trusted with our secrets. But just about every campaign season, some reporter finds a way to ask the president or the presidential candidates, I should say, about the UFO files. And it happened to Chris Christie just a few weeks ago. He failed to answer that question. We played that sound clip on our last episode. But from time to time, candidates have claimed that they are going to release the secrets Jimmy Carter did that, the 39th president of the United States, who served from 1977 to 1981. He said, quote, If I become president, I'll make every piece of information this country has about UFO sightings available to the public and scientists. I am convinced that UFOs exist because I have seen one. That really does say a lot. He did have a sighting. And uh, wanted to get to the bottom of this. But it also says something. When you can only get so far. And when the director of the CIA. And perhaps even a shadow government. If that's where this information resides. Resists your requests. As the commander in chief. You only have so much. Of a need to know. It was revealed recently that President Carter is in his final days. And when that time inevitably comes, hopefully not while we're on the air here tonight. Well, he's going to leave behind a legacy. One that includes his own UFO sighting. And one in which he pressed the intelligence agencies and government bodies on the matter. In fact, he was probably more successful than any other president in obtaining documents. Many of them, in fact, he was successful in obtaining during his time in office. The kinds of documents that deal with the country's secrets on UFOs. It was very apparent that Jimmy Carter wanted the truth to be revealed during his time in the White House. Perhaps he still does. And hopefully he will live to see that day that he worked so hard towards. Although time is not on his side, perhaps, though, he may even have one or two more revelations up his sleeve before he does pass over. Jimmy Carter, Paranormal and UFO Tales is a new book by Grant Cameron who has been involved in ufology since 1975, having researched the involvement of the Canadian government and U.S. presidents in the UFO phenomena. He's a recipient of the Leeds Conference International Researcher of the Year and UFO Congress Researcher of the Year. After a mental download in 2012, Cameron turned his research interest to the role of consciousness. He has written several books, of course, the latest of which is Jimmy Carter Paranormal and UFO Tales, And he's back tonight all the way from Manitoba. Hello, Grant. How
1: are you doing, Jeremy? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: It's good to have you here. So was it Jimmy Carter's UFO sighting before he became president that made him so interested in the subject and getting the answers for the American people?
1: Um, I guess we can uh, assume that that's what sort of drove him. I have a little bit of different opinion on... Um, his view and what he did. People see him as a, a weak president. Uh, he was actually an absolute A-type personality. Um, for example, people talk about you know when he asked for the UFO files from Bush uh, Senior, who was the guy who was doing the intelligence briefing for the president-elect when Jimmy was 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 uh, nominated or won the election. Um, people figure you know bush told him you know get lost you're not going to get the ufo stuff uh people forget that uh bush never served a single day in the carter administration one of the things rosalind carter said one thing that's going to happen is bush is go- not going to come into our administration he's to be fired and people forget that, that that george bush was fired by jimmy carter he usually you bring on the former CIA director into the new administration even though he's in the other party uh, and um uh, he he was he was turned down. He actually asked to be brought in and uh, Carter said no. And later, later on, Carter even made a, sort of a joke about it. He said, if I hadn't fired him, he never would have been president because he, he had sort of set him up to, to run for president. But um, we, we, I, I, my story on, the, on the, 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 the Bush thing is a little bit different. You, you quoted his um, statement that he made, and that was the National Enquirer. I actually have the audio tape. Um, I knew the National Enquirer reporter, Bob Pratt, because there was all the stories that were happening here in Manitoba. And he came on a couple of times. So I got to know him fairly well and he was giving me uh, stuff that he was filing with the National Enquirer. And one of the things that uh, is left out is that he said, I will release all the files except for anything that has to do with military security or military weapon development or something like that. And that's what changes everything. I mean, that just basically shuts the door on 95% of the material. Uh, That's being withheld because it comes down to this this need to know item. So um, when I I believe that when he went to George Bush and George Bush went to him in in uh, Plains, Georgia to give him the briefing uh carter would ask all these different questions because the ci director is is briefing him because he's a he's a governor of the state i mean they have no clue how foreign policy works or anything intelligence works and stuff like that so they have to bring him up to speed on all all the stuff and that's why they do all these briefings in november and december before the president is nominated so when jimmy carter went in there he asked for the files that he had promised and the files that he had promised were not all the ufo files they were the files all the ufo files except for the military stuff. So and those were the files that he'd promised to the people. So basically what he's asking for is the citing files, anything that's not classified. And that's when Bush says, and this sort of confirms that he was asking for just the citing files, the stuff that that they was non classified, because Bush said to him, if you want those files, he said, you, you, curiosity on, behi- on behalf of the president is not sufficient you need to know. If you want those files, you have to go to the House Science and Technology Committee. Now, the Science, House, and Technology Committee is not going to have the dead bodies. It's not going to have the Roswell stuff. It's not going to have the, the, the real top secret stuff. It's a very minor. It's the, it's the minor House uh, committee It's not even the Senate. It's only the House. And the people change off and on. They're not going to keep it there. What they will have there is the citing stuff, the basic uh, citing files that's non-classified. But if he he had said, you know, uh, you want those files, you got to go to, you know, underground at the Pentagon or in some place, well, then you'd know he's going for the real files. So Jimmy Carter had asked for those files. And uh, another thing that Uh, I sort of contend it's a little bit different than the way Jimmy Carter's story has been told, is that Jimmy Carter did make a lot of efforts to get material out. It's just he didn't want his fingerprints on it, and that's how the presidential thing works. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, was, uh, according to Whitley Strieber, had told uh, Lawrence Rockefeller, and Lawrence Rockefeller had gone in to brief Bill Clinton, and Bill didn't want to get involved, and he's at the Rockefeller Ranch in August of 1995. They're running for re-election, and they want uh, the the vote of the, the uh, environmentalists and stuff like that. So they, they went there to ride on horses and whitewater raft and all this kind of stuff. And Bill didn't want to be there. He was just furious that he had to go to the Rockefeller Ranch in Wyoming. And it was there that um, the, the briefing was given or the, the not a briefing, because a briefing is an official act. So Rockefeller gave his little spiel why UFOs should be declassified and made open and bill didn't show up at the briefing only person that was there was hillary clinton and apparently the next morning hillary went to rockefeller and she said okay we've listened to your your pitch for ufos now don't ever bring up the subject again later on in the day bill was walking around with rockefeller and bill explained why he was not at the briefing or he hinted why he was at the briefing and this according whitley streber he said this is the arkansas tower baby do you know the arkansas tower baby story and people who know it is this the Brer Rabbit is uh, captured by the the fox, and he builds this 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 tar baby on the side of the road. And Brer Rabbit comes along and he says good morning to the tar baby and the tar baby doesn't respond and he gets upset and he punches the tar baby and he gets his hand stuck to the tar baby. Then he punches his other hand and then now his other hand's stuck and then he kicks him and he kicks him with both feet. And next thing you know, he's completely stuck to the tar baby. And that's what Bill was saying. This is the Arkansas tar baby story. This is something if you're the president, you don't want to touch. And that's what you would see is that when Rockefeller went to to Bill Clinton, they he wanted to go to the president. And I remember um, Bud Hopkins telling me the story that he was at Rockefeller's mansion with John Mack. And he, he said that uh, our, uh, Rockefeller said, I'm going to the president. I'm going to get all this stuff disc- disclosed." And then uh, Bud, my, Bud told me, he said, I said to him, uh, but Mr. Rockefeller. I don't think that's how it works. I don't care how it works. I'm going in there and I'm going to disclose all this kind of stuff. And so basically he made this initiative. And because he was this billionaire, very powerful guy, they had to let him in. But they didn't let him to see the president. They cut him off at the pass by the science advisor. So he's dealing with the science advisor, who was Jack Gibbons, who uh, would run the uh, NASA and all, the, uh, all that kind of stuff, the investigations. And um, he asked for a briefing from CIA. And Ron Pandolfi was asked to give the briefing. Ron couldn't do it because the CIA is not involved. So he gets Bruce Maccabee to do this thing, which they call a briefing. So he gives this sort of uh, uh, what he calls a briefing. And it's just his little spiel on UFO disclosure. And then there's a document in the Clinton uh, documents where Hillary Clinton is talking about the fact that everything that's going from Rockefeller to the science advisor and everything from the science advisor back to Rockefeller is going through the first lady's office. And it took me years to figure that out. Like, why would all this stuff be going through Hillary's office? And then I realized what it was. It was the Arkansas tar baby story. The president cannot touch this story. So what they were doing is everything that that they they were getting was going through Hillary's office.
2: All right, we got a break there. We'll continue with Grant Cameron. Sounds like one bureaucratic mess.
0: (laughs) Into the Paranormal.
2: Even a president of the United States can only get so far when it comes to the country's deepest and darkest secrets on UFOs. Jimmy Carter, Paranormal and UFO Tales is the latest book from Grant Cameron, and we're discussing this with him tonight. Why was this information going through Hillary's office, Grant?
1: Well, this is how this is, you got to realize how the game is played. Um, and so what, what they were doing and in my, my interpretation of this was that the stuff would go through Hillary's office and she would see what Lawrence was demanding. And the president couldn't get his name on there, couldn't get a signature on there. You don't want him tied in. And so she would say, well, Rockefeller wants this. And then the president would say, okay, let's do that. Then she would uh, go back and tell the science advisor what to tell Rockefeller. So the president was out of the loop. And and this is the whole thing. It's plausible deniability. So you'll see this all the time, you know, whether it's Donald Trump, where where he's asked about, oh, Roswell, did, his kid is all interested in Roswell. Well, you know, uh, he, and then the kid does the interview. And well, he said, well, there's some interesting stuff there. But the the, the key is that the president just doesn't want to be, be involved in this because it's, it's the story that will sink you. Now it's a little bit different, but you even see with, 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 with Biden who actually was interviewed on UFOs in 2008 during a uh, democratic debate. Uh, they asked him, what do you think about UFOs? And he said, Oh, come on. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, no, I don't believe there's, there's UFOs. And he sort of figured like, this is like a crazy issue. And you see him when he was asked a question, about obama saying whatever and then he said well go ask obama you you just do not touch the story you do not because one question leads to the next question which leads to the next question and so you don't answer the first question you just basically uh, avoid the question so the president is guarded on every subject like this where, where you don't want him saying this you don't want him saying that he's he's supposed to be the most powerful guy in the world and have all the answers and you don't want him standing up there and saying well we haven't got a clue what's going on and that's what you see when you start looking at high level people and i'll give you an example I, uh, I was the guy that first identified Jim Semivan back in 2016. I wrote him in a book called Managing Magic, which was published in February of 2017, long before Tom DeLonge went public. I mentioned Jim Semivan. Jim Semivan was identified to me as the big man in Washington. I was told that he had been briefed by Ron Pandolfi as he left the CIA. He had had experience with beings in his room, and he was told the same thing as the president. He was told supposedly by the CIA director, Jim, leave it alone. Don't touch this. This will ruin your career. Just leave it alone and pretend it's a one off. Pretend it only happened one time. It'll never happen again. Then when he was leaving the CIA and he was the equivalent of a two star general inside the CIA, he was a very high level CIA guy. So when he left, he was given the briefing on what's going on. And he has now admitted that he's gotten he's gotten a classified briefing, whether it was that briefing or not. But if you start to listen to what he says, this is what I think the cover up may be about. He said the phenomena is a natural part of our universe and we're living in it. But we don't recognize it. And the key is that the government really doesn't know what's going on. Jim Semivan says there does not appear to be any there, there. That would be co- completely contrary to the fact that they've got it all figured out and they're flying to star systems and half the UFOs are our UFOs. Jim is saying, and he's the guy that got to get the briefing. And I, I say to people, you got to start listening to these people because all the disclosure that's happening now with Jim Semivan. I was told in 2016 before Hillary lost the election. I was told the big man uh, said high level people are going to come forward and they are going to say that UFOs exist, and they are going to force disclosure. And exactly what happened in 2017, they had to realign the the people because uh, the WikiLeaks exposed a bunch of the people, but they went public with with Tom DeLonge. And then there was a meeting with Leslie Kane, with Lou Elizondo in Washington, where she was brought in. Jim Semivan was in that meeting. They handed the story to the New York Times. The New York Times went public with the story that the UFO, the thing was being studied by the UFO, the government, and exactly what I was told in 2016 happened high-level people, Alejandro, Semivan, uh, Mellon, all these high-level people came forward and said UFOs exist, and that's what forced disclosure. But if you look at what Jim and a lot of high-level people are saying, we really don't have the answers. Here's another thing that, Jim, that Semivan Hold said. Hold that
2: thought, Grant. we got to take a break at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the news will play, and then we will come back in just a few moments to keep our conversation alive with Grant Cameron tonight. Somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal, I'm Jeremy Scott.
1: This is Parabnormal News.
0: Strange things happening in Pascagoula.
1: Calvin Parker, who along with his co-worker Charles Hickson, reported they were taken by extraterrestrial beings into a craft and examined while fishing on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi on October 11, 1973, has passed away. Calvin told Into the Paranormal he kept silent for more than 40 years. It desperately changed my life. So that's the reason I wanted to come out with a book, and that's the reason I wanted to left in my words so my family would know if I died that uh, that was my language, that I was speaking to them and telling them about it.
0: Parker died at the age of 68 following a bout with cancer. His family announced his death through researcher Philip Mantle, who, along with Calvin's wife, Waynette, encouraged him to come forward. You can hear our tribute to Calvin wherever you listen to the podcast.
1: George Henry, Paranormal News. Exploring the possibilities of the subjects you've always wanted to know and those you never knew existed until now. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. It's
2: a one big game, even when you think you have a need to know, you don't. Grant Cameron is explaining how this game, I've referred to it as a charade, but it is one big chess game. I make a move, you make a move, I make a move, you make a move. Uh, Grant, please continue your train of thought.
1: Yeah, I was I was mentioning how high-level people that I, I always say because I dealt with the Avery, which is a l- group of very high-level people that were all tied into Bob Bigelow and his money in Las Vegas. And I always say whether you believe these people or don't believe these people, you got to start listening to these people because they're saying stuff. Whether it's Bob Bigelow or Jim Semivan or Jacques Vallée, they're saying things that they heard and it starts to answer what's actually going on. Uh, because people are putting out, you know, the, the regular stuff that, that's on the internet, but those are people who don't have a need to know. They haven't been on the inside. They haven't been with Bob Bigelow in a room with all these high level people. That's what Bob Bigelow did in, when, when he ran NIDS, he would bring in Kit Green, Jacques Vallée, uh, Edgar Mitchell, the hell put off e- Eric Davis, all the highest level people there was and he would pick their brain. He'd pay thousands of dollars a day for these people to come in there and he would pick their brain. And so I say you got to listen to these people. And one of the people I definitely say people have to listen to is Semivan. And people think, "Wow, we got this all figured out." Here's what Jim Semivan said, and this is what I actually believe is is more to the truth. Someone said we have dots but no connections. I don't even think we have dots. And he's basically saying, "You think we think you think we've got this all figured out in government? They haven't got a clue what's going on." It's way more complex. And I give the example of, of a cell. We look at a cell and we say, oh, the cell divides. And we don't realize there's, there's a a trillion atoms that come in to form the second cell. And that when a, when a baby's being born, there's 250 million cells a second being created. And that the cells in the brain are creating uh, uh, connections. At, at the rate of 1.8 billion a second is when you start looking deep, the reality gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And the more we look at the UFO phenomena, I think the less we actually know. And so we have this impression that there, that this is all figured out. And I'm even going to do a, um, uh, a podcast that's going to deal with beings. And I I've said this for a long time. When, when people have the beings, they always say, so you're on the ship. Yeah. So did, did they probe you? Do you hurt? Were you scared? I don't ask that. I go, Hey, on the ship? And you got, Hey, was it, was the alien wearing any clothes? And they go, no, I don't think so. That's kind of, I said, didn't that seem strange to you? And they go, yeah, it is kind of weird that, uh, and then I said, did you have any sex organs? And they go, no. Did you have a belly button? No. Did he have nipples? No. And I said, don't you think that's kind of unusual? And that's what you see if you go back and look at the alien autopsy and they say, oh, this is fake. And I say it was taken, it was rebuilt based upon real material. Take a look at the alien autopsy. It has no sex organs has no belly button, has no nipples. Now, did they accidentally get that the way it is? And if you look to um, uh, um, the work done by David Jacobs, he refers to other things. He says all the 300 people he interviewed, none, none of them ever got any indication that the alien was breathing. Nobody's ever seen an alien eat. Nobody's ever seen an alien drink. Uh, and you start to look and you say, what are we actually dealing with here? Is this actually an extraterrestrial biological entity? If it doesn't have sex organs and all this kind of stuff, it basically indicates this may not be what we think it is. And that's what I think happens. It's like reality. It just gets get weirder and weirder. The more you look at it, the more complex it gets. So uh, did Jimmy Carter know? Sure. He had material because he was firing all sorts of people. He would have what I think Barack Obama said. They're all saying the same thing. Barack Obama said, yes we we had these films but we don't know what it is and every oh, they're lying they're lying they basically may not know what it is if if you have in in physical mediumship where they can make hands appear in physical mediumship don't you think that somebody can make a body, they can drop a body, they can drop a craft, even the the whole idea of metals. People go, oh, we got these metals, we're going to build a flying saucer. And I'm going, come on already. The thing comes like 100 trillion light years, 100 billion light years across the universe, and then pieces start falling off the flying saucer? Give your head a shake. They're dropping this stuff on purpose. And the bodies may be the same thing. Even Bob Bigelow said, oh, I think they're seeding these things. There's crashes here, in China, in Russia, in South America. I think they're seeding this stuff, and... Tim Taylor, who is the top guy at NASA, who has all the clearances, who probably knows more than anybody, called it the gifting field, that they were dropping this stuff for us. And so it's this this idea that, that we really don't know. And the, the phenomena is running the show. That's what Jim Semivan was asked. I heard that he was confronted by John Alexander as to who's running the show. And indicating who in the government is running the show, and Jim said, they are. They are completely in charge, and we haven't got a clue what's going on. People think we've got this all figured out. we got one more piece to put in the puzzle. I say, the more I look at it after 50 years, the more I realize there's pieces of puzzle all over the place. It just gets more complex and weirder and weirder and weirder, and 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 we make all sorts of assumptions. We, we take a look at even crop circles. Nobody ever sees crop circles being done. Nobody's ever been arrested. Nobody's seen anybody being abducted. That happens out of the m- middle of nowhere. We have cattle we have a cattle mutilation that occurred at Skinwalker Ranch, where the guys they, they just tagged this calf, and they were like yards away, and this cattle mutilation took place, and they didn't see anything. And uh, I've just written a book on uh, ports and manifestations, where people will say, "I am standing there, and I got hit by this coin," and it's like somebody threw a coin at me, and there's nobody there. It's this thing; it's in behind the scenes, nobody's seeing anything. That's what Jim says. The phenomena is, and he said, he's saying maybe, he's not saying maybe, he's saying the phenomena is a natural part of our universe, and we're living in it, but we don't recognize it, which agrees with some of the stuff I've had. I had a, two beings in Great Britain who wanted to be interviewed. So, of course, my first question to them was, ED hey, beings are you guys? Or human beings? A, alien, or a, a, a entities, whatever, they call EDs. themselves the beings. They, well, no, they, 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 well, this is the thing. We, you're making the assumption that they're extraterrestrial biological entities. They called themselves CHON, C-H-O-N, C- carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen. They didn't have any faces. They didn't have any noses and, and stuff like that. And they were just these beings. And the one woman could see them and the other woman could, could sense what they were saying. So I interviewed these two women. And they, I, so the first question, they said, these beings want to be interviewed by you. So I said, okay, so are you an extraterrestrial? And the, the answer was almost exactly what Jim Semivan said. They said, oh, would you like us to be an extraterrestrial? We could do that for you. We could even take you to our planet. But no, we're not extraterrestrial. We've always been here. You're the visitor. Same story as to, I, ask, I always ask people, hey, confront the alien. When you see him next time, confront him and ask him if he's actually an alien. Sherry Wilde, who wrote the book, The Forgotten Promise, which is going to be made into a movie, actually did that. She wrote a book called The Forgotten Promise. It went to her publisher. And Da, who is the being she was dealing with, said he was from Andromeda. And the, the, and, and he was a, he's, a, he's a, a, a gray. And so the publisher said, hey, He's Andromeda, he can't be from Andromeda. He's a gray. He's got to be from Zeta Reticuli, And she went, Really? He said, Yeah. This is all this doesn't make any sense. Go ask him. So she says, duh. She said, duh. Like, what's going on here? Are you actually an alien? And he said, No, that would not that would best not describe who I actually am. I am an etheric being on a mission in the galaxy for the creator. And and then she said, Why do I need to come and just Ugly-looking, gray thing. He said, "Well, it's very practical. It's the easiest type of body to to produce." And you see this over and over again. People talking about the beings can take whatever form they want, whatever shape they want. We can do the same thing. They just know how to do it, and that it is not what it appears to be. It's just getting more complex. And Jacques Ballet dumped the ET idea many years ago, and I'm basically on board with him now. I think that the chances of this being some extraterrestrial biological entity who got lost in the universe and came here, I think it's all one thing. They're here. we we're here all the world's a stage all the men and women and aliens are but actors we have our entrances and exits and each man plays many roles it's all happening here and now because when you talk to people who've been in the experience they'll say time and space disappear so is there time and space if there's no time and space then they're here we're here and we're we're just we're we're it's almost like uh, what they're doing is they're shattering perceived, our, our our perceived reality. We're, we see things and we believe that's what's real. We believe the world was flat. We believe the sun went around the earth. We believe things are solid. And we go along, go along. We go, that was, that was wrong. That was wrong. That was wrong. And most of what we believe today is not going to be believed 100 years from now. We're, and what they're doing is they're shattering our reality. So when they come walking through a wall, you've got to realize like, uh-oh, something that we believe is wrong. Either this isn't happening, but if it is happening, something we believe is wrong. And that's what they're telling us. you got this all wrong it's not this it's not that and what they're doing as i describe it is instead of pushing a wet noodle they're pulling the wet noodle so they're using our they're using all these weird things that they're doing to drag us down the down the road of of curiosity in science because until you are curious in science nothing gets done so they make us curious and we're trying to figure this out but in the end, when you take a look, we have not really discovered anything. Whether it's uh, crop circles or abductions, cattle mutilations, uh, ports. it just gets weirder and weirder yeah. and weirder. That there's nothing that we ever say. Oh, oh, we solved that one. We know how they do it now. We don't. We've even back in 1850 with the with the fox twins, with the with the wrapping, with the séances in the 1880s. None of that stuff we've discovered. We just hear these stories and we we can't prove anything. And it just gets more complex and more complex and more complex. And the UFO phenomenon is just part of this paranormal world of of the of, of intelligence that's talking to us and i believe it's here and it's now and especially the there's almost nothing when you take a look at an alien there's nothing when you actually look at the reports that people have that indicate it is an extraterrestrial biological entity it start, it start, starts to appear like it they can take whatever body they want they can make anything appear in physical from the consciousness world or whatever they're doing and it, it just gets weirder and there is no it's almost like there is no garbage can on the desktop of your of your computer it's way in behind we're looking at the desktop and believing that there's a garbage can there and it's way in behind it gets more complex the more you look at where that garbage can came from how the computer works and that sort of stuff it just gets weirder and more complex and more in depth and i think that's what jim semivan is pointing out there does not appear to be any there. there. That does not say that they've got to figure it out. And he's a guy that I don't think is lying. I think he's basically telling the truth the best he can. And he's got, he's actually gotten the classified briefing.
2: Grant, why do some people have encounters and others don't
1: you think? Well, that comes to Sherry Wild, the forgotten promise. Um, She said um, she, she, she woke up at the computer and uh, she's typing this stuff. And she went, what the heck is, how, how can I be typing when I'm sleeping? And she, she, she looks and goes, oh, I'm not doing that. She realizes it's her UFO story. And um, then she goes to Da, Da says, oh, timing is everything. You, you should, you got to write this book. I'm not writing your damn book, she said. And, and then he basically said, have you forgotten the promise that you made? If you listen to, I was just with uh, Mike Cleland, the the owl guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I did his, I did his story and he did the same story. And this is when he gets regressed by Yvonne Smith and he's in this regression and he gets pulled out of his body and he astrally gets moved onto the ship, which I think they're all out of body experiences, gets moved onto the ship. And he says, I, I'm walking down this hall. And he said, all of a sudden I, I slip into this gray outfit. It was like a, I know outfit I'm in the gray outfit and I look at myself and I'm the same size as these other aliens. And he said, I'm a gray alien. And then he's standing in front of these people And what he'd asked the bond Smith to do is when I'm under, ask me what the owls about. Why am I so obsessed with owls? Why, what, what, what's all this about owls? So she says, well, he, he, well, he's in the, in the meeting. And then he's, he's talking to him. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And these beings are all behind this, this table. And what am I doing here? And then suddenly he, they said, you volunteered for this. And he said, what do you mean I volunteered? And suddenly it occurred to him. And he went, he starts swearing F this, F that. You never told me it was going to be like this. You never told me there was going to be pain. There all this sort of stuff. And he realized he'd agreed to do this. And you see this over and over again. Chris Bledsoe, when he was regressed in 2008 by uh, the Harvard psychiatrist, they asked him, when did you first encounter these beings? He said, they've been with me since before I was born. And then uh, O'Connell said, in the past life? He said, yes. So this is the whole deal. We're making these false assumptions. We're believing that we only came here one time. And we don't realize that John Mack had one that went into, into past lives. And we start to realize it gets more complex, more complex, more more complex. And over and over again, you see these people who claim that they have volunteered for this process. Um, my friend, um, Ron Johnson, uh, a Mormon guy out of Utah who's had piles and piles of experiences, um, said that he had the sexual stuff to start at the beginning. He was furious. He's praying to God for it to, to, to go away. And they said, no. You, you, this is, you volunteered for this. Nothing can change this. You, This is the way it's going to be. And you see this over and over again is this idea that we agreed to do this and that you and I may have agreed. You said you're going to do a podcast. I said I'm going to be a researcher. We're going to do this research. We're going to lift the, the world up. If, if reincarnation is a fact, then we all came into the world to do something, whatever it is, and... We don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. We just have to realize we came in to do something. And when we leave, according to the Michael Newton stuff, life between life stuff, which I've studied extensively, you only get asked one question when you leave, and that is, how did it work out? Because Jeremy, you're the guy that planned the whole thing. Don't blame, you know, you, the dog date, the homework and your mother-in-law, whatever, you know, you planned this thing. How did it work out? And that's the, the whole deal is we, it's, it's a lot less random than people think it is that we're, we're playing these roles, all the world's a stage and volunteering is a big part of it. You see more and more people all the time that will describe the fact that they, they agreed to this. They, they well, this is all agreed. And we're here at this time in this place, it, uh, like the three waves that, uh, that, um, uh, what's your name? Talked about the regression. It's the three waves that come in to raise consciousness that we've all come in to do a certain role. And uh...
2: more with Grant Cameron. We'll continue our conversation right after this, Grant.
1: Into the paranormal.
2: You know, Grant's not just spouting this from the top of his head. He's heard it from uh, countless experiencers, and yet still experiencers. We're not talking about that reality. We're not talking about the oneness. We're not talking about what connects all of us. We're just talking about lights in the sky, and uh, whether these are craft from extraterrestrials, from uh, a, an adversary, or whether they are our own. Grant, is that because, uh, you know, consciousness, which I think you believe is what connects us all, is not as sexy as the flying saucers?
1: Well, I, I, I did a lecture in Cincinnati last weekend, and it was called The Theory of Wow. And so the question is, why do UFOs have lights on them so you can see them? They they can appear as whatever they want. I had two sightings where it started as one object, and when it actually got to me, it was a different object. And so we're sitting there, we're counting the green ones and the red ones and all this kind of stuff. They can appear as whatever they want. They can they can change. They can morph. And and you hear this over and over again. And and so you have that. And then why did you do crop circles? There, this is all messaging. Even Bob Bigelow was asked about Skinwalker Ranch. What was it all about, Bob? You had the ranch for 20 years. What was it about? And he said immediately, he said messaging. It's all about messaging. It's all about games and messaging. That's what it all was about. And, and so we, we look at the, the, the craft and we look at the technology and uh, we have the fear element about, you know, we're going to get eaten or whatever. And uh, that's the way we play it. But I, I think uh, the stuff that they're doing is just basically to get our attention, to, to shatter this reality. And you start looking back on some of the stuff, not just the UFO people say, but it starts to fit in with other people that said Edgar Casey, who is the big uh, sleeping prophet, um, said this, the spirit is the life, or we could say now the consciousness is the life, the mind is the builder, and the physical is the result. And that consciousness comes primary, which is what Max Planck said, nothing gets behind consciousness, and the physical is built out of consciousness. It's not physics, physical life creating consciousness, it's consciousness creating the physical world. And then you take a look at Joe, with John Wheeler, who was identified as the The intellectual successor to Einstein at Princeton, guy came up with black hole theory, information theory, uh, wormhole, um, delayed choice experiment, it versus bit, all this kind of stuff. He said, I do take 100% seriously the idea that the world is a figment of the imagination. So we're going to what people in the East talked about 5,000 years ago, and we're starting to re- realize that the physical world is just naive reality. We actually believe it's solid. And I remember I heard the story that Jacques Vallée was talking to one researcher, and he got really frustrated, and he started banging the table. He said, this is not solid. He's trying to get across the idea. Like, you, you were making all these assumptions about things are solid, and the, these these must be aliens and stuff like that. And it may actually be us. It may be us that are, are creating this thing to wake ourselves up. And it, it just, it's so complex, and it, it just goes to that idea of consciousness that uh we're we're assuming that Elvis Presley is still alive because he we can hear him singing in the radio and if and that's what we're doing we're looking at a radio uh, like 200 years ago and we don't realize what's going on when you start to realize how a radio actually works we realize that no Elvis Presley is not alive he's not in the radio and and that's that naive reality thing that we 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 have uh you know this sort of stuff uh and and John Wheeler said the same thing. He said, there is no out there, out there. It is just a participatory universe, and we are involved in what happens around us. We want to believe that there's those people, these aliens or whatever, and then there's us, and we forget to realize we may be part of what we're actually looking at. This idea that John Mack brought up and and that a number of people brought up is the idea that whatever being you see is influenced by what you believe in. Kit Green, who is the CIA guy who started in 1969, so he's had a a top-secret SCI clearance since 1969, is the guy that when you're in the government and you're a general and suddenly you have a dream of beings in your room, they send you to Kit Green. He does all the military people who have the weird experiences. And what he said is, what you see is influenced by what you believe in and that a number of people at and at the same event can all see different things. And there's an example of Skinwalker Ranch where people have these night vision goggles and the object comes over the over the ridge and comes flying by and everybody takes their night vision goggles and they watch it and at the end of the night, they take a look and everybody saw something different. And that's what we gotta realize. It's not as solid as people think it is. Or it was one of these Zendra cases. In 2015, there was a, a military guy who um uh, 24 years in the navy and then he had become an architect and didn't want me exposed he figured he was going to lose his job he was a translator for one of the people in 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 these portals zendra things that these mission rama people can open and in uh 2014 they'd seen the, this being called antaral two sort of smaller beings and then these t- tiny beings with these ipads that were poking their heads around the trees at mount shasta
2: right we got to take our break and we're don't make the clock, but we just have to abide by it. And so, it's break time. We'll be back with
1: Grant into the pair of normal store is open. Show off our brand with all sorts of items in the store at pairofnormalradio.com. Comes out into the paranormal.
2: I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Grant Cameron, a lifelong UFO researcher who, much like Jimmy Carter, had his own UFO sighting. Uh, Grant, we can probably say that changed your uh, direction in life after having a sighting, much like we can probably assume the same happened to Jimmy Carter.
1: Um, yeah, i I fell off the edge of the earth. There's no doubt my friends that were with me just went on with their lives. And that's uh, but when I saw how it, had, it I got out there was, if you know the Nimitz story where it drops from eighty thousand feet down to sea level, I mean, that's theory Wow. I mean, you don't come across the galaxy and then drop from eighty thousand feet down to sea level for what's that pre-abduction maneuver. I mean, that's just like, hello, watch this. And w- what happened in Manitoba when I had my sighting, was that the thing jumped from the ground up to 5,000 feet in three frames, one eighth of a second. And when I saw that film and it was the local TV station was pushing this thing and I talked to the guy who had filmed it, He, it was, he said when I was watching this thing and they'd almost got it the night before he said, so I said, next time this thing flares up, I'm going to shoot. And he, and it was almost like the UFO said, you ready to shoot? Get ready. And as he pushed the trigger, this thing jumped into the air, 5,000 feet in the air and he caught it on film. And I was, and then uh, the other reporter became a top reporter in Canada. When I was talking to him, he said, well, I saw it before it was edited, before they cut these little pieces out. And he said, I saw it and it was backwards. It went across the sky and then it jumped in the air. And I was just sort of obsessed with this, this whole thing. Jimmy Carter was, but if you go and actually see the latest interviews of Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter basically says he doesn't believe ETs have come to earth. He doesn't believe any of this kind of stuff. He believes his sighting may have been a, uh, a test, an a army-based downrange or something like that. And he's playing the skeptic thing. It's it's the same old deal. And if Jimmy Carter really knew what he'd be playing, he sounds like he's very serious, like he, he basically does not believe this because it conflicts with his his religious worldview and that's what people got to realize that people have all these preconceived notions and what they're doing is shattering naive reality we believe we know what's going on and we haven't got a clue we are making this wrong we got that wrong and so jimmy uh did a lot of stuff when he was in in the white house people don't realize they think oh jimmy carter was scammed and the black ops guys they just walked around him and jimmy carter was was a real tough guy i mean i talked to the head of the public affairs relations when i was there she said that when she worked in the carter administration like as a secretary she said they were petrified because if you got caught smoking across the street in a restaurant or drinking i mean you could get fired jimmy carter was a tough guy he was people were rolling out there all the time he was firing people he, he was a real a type personality and but jimmy carter did a lot of stuff but he didn't as the the idea of the 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 a tar baby he didn't have his fingerprints on it so what he did was he sent this woman and he did this whole deal that he gave more power to the freedom of information act so you could force this stuff out bill clinton did the same thing and and hoping the ufo documents would come out by loosening the foi rules and then what happened was this girl had gone to the fbi uh, the cia and the story that was told jimmy uh, uh Kit, Kit Green now denies it, but he had told somebody there was 14,000 pages of documents. And then when they actually went, there was only 1,000 pages. And this girl from Carter's administration was trying to get this stuff, and they were playing these games, hiding the documents or whatever. And this girl actually broke down crying. She was so frustrated by trying to get the stuff out of the CIA. So he went after the CIA. He said Jody Powell, who was his press secretary, after the FBI. That's why 1,500 pages of the FBI stuff was released, because he was Jimmy Carter was using uh, Uh, his press secretary to pressure the FBI. Now, it wasn't, you couldn't see unless you knew what was going on. You couldn't see with Jimmy Carter doing it or he sent his his science advisor, uh, press was his name, to NASA to do another blue book thing and then uh nassau got this letter from the CIA and said don't even think about it and there jimmy carter was talking about cutting the the, the NASA budget because he didn't agree with spending all this money going to outer space whatever and so they basically said well you know our budget may be cut and we haven't got money to do this kind of stuff so if you've got any hardware we're willing to look at the hardware but we haven't got any money to do another blue book study and they walked their way out of it and you see this over and over again the sri was there was a guy that was uh Alfred Weber, if you've ever interviewed him, Alfred Weber was given permission to do a study on extraterrestrials and and UFOs, and uh, this is all arranged, and they were working on this at SRI, and then this guy comes in from the Pentagon and said to the SRI, if you run with these programs, you will lose all your funding. That was a game over that, so they shut that down. So you see over and over again, Jimmy Carter working through other people trying to get this stuff. Half of all the documents, maybe not now anymore, but it used to be that half of all the UFO documents that were public, that had been declassified, were all classified under the Carter administration. And that was Jimmy Carter putting this pressure indirectly, but not himself being involved, not not having his fingerprints so, on it. And
2: but there yeah. were more documents, but someone got in the way, and then fewer documents were actually released?
1: Um. Well, no, I, I don't know how to explain it, but, the, but what, what, what you well, do is
2: 40,000 down, down to a thousand. I'm thinking somebody stepped in and oh, said, well, we can't 14, release 000, this. Yeah. Well, that well, was 14, the idea 000, was that yeah.
1: the, the, the CIA people were playing games. They were hiding documents and stuff like that. And this girl was trying to stop that because she knew that they were hiding documents. Now she couldn't, she couldn't prove it or whatever, but all that came up with CIA was a thousand pages of documents. So she was, and this is the story that was told is she was so frustrated. That she and it was it was later on an interview and Kit Green's now denied that he said there was fourteen thousand documents but that that's the whole story did the CIA only have 1000 pages of UFO documents it would not make any sense but that's what Jimmy Carter was doing he's trying to put this pressure through opening up the thing Bill Clinton did the same thing he said in 1995 him and John Podesta put out an, an executive order that said unless a document if a document is over 25 years old it has to be declassified no matter what the subject is unless you've got a real good excuse for it and you have to justify that and they figured that would pull all the UFO documents and it it didn't work there was a million pages of documents came out or something but the stuff didn't come out and that's what you do
2: did we already have a rule like that in effect because i thought that was one that was just passed recently where if we reveal that this isn't against uh top security clearance it's got to be released within 25 years but uh, if we rule that it is top secret well it still can't be released are we just reinventing the wheel here or what
1: well i'm not sure what the the one now is i know in 1995 if you look up 1995 executive order bill clinton uh and um stuff you'll see the executive order he wrote and that was my impression of what it was there was anything after 25 years because they figured the roswell stuff will all come out and that's what happened with the roswell stuff for example rockefeller went in there and rockefeller was powerful enough he said mr president if i don't get what i want i'm going to put the following ad in every major newspaper full page ad in every major newspaper in the united states and the the ad said mr president when did you know when did you learn and when are you going to tell the people and they were just mm-hmm. petrified. I mean, they okay, Mr. Rockefeller, what do you want? What do you want? And they said, Mr. President, the science advisor said, saying, Mr. President, if it, if this is as highly classified as you say it is, and it's as wide as you say it is, we have no chance of getting this stuff. I'll tell you what, Mr. Rockefeller, just give us one case. We'll go after the one case. And then if we get that case, then we'll go after the rest of the stuff. We've got to start somewhere. He's, and Rockefeller says, yeah, okay. want the Roswell case investigated. And that's why they investigated the Roswell case. Wasn't that in 1994, the U.S. Air Force had nothing better to do than go and reinvestigate Roswell. He investigated because the president said i want Ros- roswell to be re-investigated." Re- and then in 1995 he's in belfast northern ireland lighting the christmas tree and he makes this statement which is like the shot across the bow if you know what's going on he said you know uh, w- w- uh, I-, I don't believe a, a-, a ufo crashed at roswell new mexico but if they did and if there were bodies they didn't tell me about it either and i want to know And what that meant was in the 1995 report that he got, there was nothing about bodies. And so Bill Clinton takes a shot and unless you know what's going on, you don't know what he's doing. He's taking a shot and said, okay, you wrote the report to, Bunk this whole thing. What about the bodies? Explain the bodies, and then it, so they do a second report. which costs millions of dollars, in 1997, and that's where they came up with the crash test dummy nonsense about 1953, and people were confused about the dates. And we dropped these dummies, and people were seeing dummies, and they were they were actually not aliens and stuff. And that's how the game is played. So it's 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 this indirect thing where where Bill's got the stuff, but then Bill says, you know, Bill said he was the one that said, oh, I, I was, I'm probably not the first uh, guy that they walked around that bureaucrats sidestepped. And, and then he, and then he said, you know, I, I, got the Roswell files and, and I looked and no, I don't believe there was a a crash at Roswell. And it's like, you can't have it both ways, Mr. President, either you didn't get this stuff or they gave you the Roswell files and you looked at the Roswell files and there and there was nothing going on. And so they play this game uh, of, of this kind of stuff and same with John Podesta um, uh, and, or Obama was asked, did you actually get the material? And he said, yes, I, w- I was able to get to the material. What uh, was it? Was it, was it? You know, was it hidden? Could you get it? He said, "Yeah, I, I got, I got the stuff." And then that's what he said: "We, we, the stuff is real, but we don't understand how it works." And and that's the thing: if the president, people don't realize, the president can fire anybody. If he, there's five different elements, like if it's the Secretary of State, he's the head of the the sec, he's the chief executive officer of the government. So if the government's running the cover up. They have to report to him the military. He's the civilian commander of the military. They have to, he's the head of all the intelligence agencies. All the intelligence agencies do is provide material to the president of the United States. They don't sell cars or stakes or anything. They just provide material to the president. And if they're going to make a negotiation with, with, with a foreign power like aliens, the, you need the head of state, and that's the president. Every loop the president is in, and and if you can come into the president, you say, "Uh, you know, Mr. President, uh, I'm not going to tell you what's going on." And you just say, "Okay, I want your resignation at my desk by tomorrow morning. Goodbye," and you slam the door, and and they can, you can fire everybody until he gets to the thing. And what they basically probably tell him is, "Mr. President, we really don't know what's going on." Don't get into this. This is the tar baby. If you get stuck to this thing, you're never going to get it off you, and it's going to get away. Because most presidents, they they want to be the guy who gets low unemployment and jobs and, and, you know, low inflation and all this kind of stuff. Nobody wants to be the UFO guy. Maybe now it's going to change a little bit, the the idea. But it's the same as everything else. It was a radioactive toxic issue. You do not want the president tied into this whole sort of thing. So you tell the president, hey, Mr. President, if something happens and you need to be briefed, we will come in brief you like what's happening now the story is starting to leak out and they're starting to ask questions back in the 1990s i tell the story about a reporter from the New York Post, and that's a conservative newspaper, so they didn't like the Clintons. The, uh, Deborah Oren Deborah Oren was always writing these stories about Monica Lewinsky and trying to bring down the president, whatever. And so she says, Mr. President, when Webster-Hubble came forward, and Webster-Hubble said, I went to look. The president asked, are UFOs real? And I went to look, and I, I was stonewalled at, 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 at different aspects and stuff like that. And he he wrote this in his book, Friends in High Places. So Deborah Orrin goes in, she says, is uh, is, is this true that the president asked Webster-Hubble to go out and try to investigate UFOs as, as assistant attorney general? And then they said... Well, you know, we're 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 not gonna comment on what people put in their in their in their in their books. And then she said, is what is in the book correct. And then they again they walked around it. And you only get a question and a follow-up and Deborah Oren said, I sat there and I waited for the rest of the White House press corps to play the game and they all rolled over and played dead because they didn't want to lose their 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 pass into the white house. You go all the way through all the ranks of media and you finally get near the the, the uh, re- reporter for the New York Times in the, in the Pentagon, you're not going to ask the dumb UFO question. You are going to ask some thing that sounds really smart or whatever, and that's what she said. Nobody would ask the question. Now people are starting to ask the question. So the president will be briefed and the president will will get the briefing, but until, unless he's in a corner they don't need to tell him. There's so many things the president doesn't need to know. They 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 brief him as as the thing goes along. And hopefully now, because the the mentality's changed and it's an open subject, and the the press press secretary starting to take all sorts of questions, and they, they put this pressure on, and eventually you're going to get. Even I heard the, the one where they said the the president allowed. Uh, this office to be formed, and they're they're doing the best they can to get sightings, and that's where people have been scammed in this latest thing. Is what they've done is they've they've played, you know, hide the hide the ball, and and what they've done is instead of us getting what are UFOs, we play the 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 grade one game. Do UFOs exist? And now
2: it's UAP. They're inventing these new terms and trying to distract and trying to deflect and not trying to get to the bottom of this. The American people do not have a need to know, and what we're hearing is it sounds like presidents not necessarily have a need to know.
1: support for former president
2: jimmy carter after the 39th president's charity the carter center announced that he is beginning at home hospice care carter who is 98 is the oldest ever former commander-in-chief it's clear that they are in quote the final chapter of president carter's life
1: journey the guy who saw and reported the ufo was the future president of the united states jimmy carter The government does know more than it has been telling about the subject. And this was enough inspiration for Jimmy to try to funnel out some of that knowledge. A young politician is leaving a fundraising event in Georgia when he spots a large, eerie object glowing in the evening sky. President Jimmy Carter was the first commander-in-chief to admit to seeing a UFO. Carter was known as UFO president because he actually talked about his sighting. The Paranormal.
2: We're talking about Jimmy Carter, among other things, tonight with Grant Cameron. Jimmy Carter, Paranormal and UFO Tales is Grant's latest book on this subject. So, Grant, what did Jimmy Carter say that he actually saw?
1: Um, He just said it was very spectacular. It was a a light, and um, there was a bunch of other people with him. There's dispute as to the date. Um, first, he, he wrote the report in 73. He filed it. Uh, then everybody said it was 69 of January of 69 when he had the sighting. And then I talked to the archivist at the Carter Library, who's very into UFOs and had gone to school with Chip, Car- Chip Carter. And he said, no, I was with Chip Carter in, in university. And he told me the story. And that was before 69, the sighting happened. So there's a lot of confusion about what he saw. He said it was very spectacular. Now he's saying, no, it may have been a military thing. He doesn't believe extraterrestrials exist. He's skeptical, yada, yada, yada. And he's sort of gone gone this sort of route. But you got to consider, I mean, he was taught Sunday school since he was 16 years old, every week. And and he has these very conservative views of, of how the world works. I do get into the book. I do get in, did he get the briefing? And that was the whole thing because there was these leaked documents in the 1980s for people that are around. We were all chasing these leaked documents about the Carter briefing. And it was supposed to be June of 1977, just after he came in. And one of the things that seemed to indicate that he did actually get the briefing is uh, this whole story about the Holloman Air Force Base film, which I've worked on for many years. I know Bob Emanegar is the producer, had a lot of of interviews with him. And um, this is a story where UFOs supposedly land at Holloman Air Force Base. Uh, The door opens, this thing's filmed from four different vantage points, and um, it's used for close encounters of the third kind. That's where they got the plot. And um, so uh, I I, I was following up on this. And then I heard um, there was a, I was at the National Security Archives and there was a, a reporter who was going to do a story and he was talking to a Secret Service agent uh, that had re- reportedly been inside the Carter briefing. And one of the things they said was um, uh, that the president had been shown a 15 minute color film. And as soon as I heard that, I said, the Holman Air Force Base film. He saw the Holman because that's the story that the Holman Air Force Base film is actually shown to the president in his presidential briefing. Later on, I I got confirmation because NIDS was looking at it and I knew Eric Davis fairly well. And Eric Davis phoned me one day and he said, hey, you got Jimmy Carter's phone number? And I said, no, I don't have Jimmy. I'm a Canadian. Why would I have Jimmy Carter's phone number? I said, what do you want Jimmy Carter's phone number for? He said, I want to see if you saw the Holman Air Force Base film. And he had seen the, the document as well, and the document was always said it was a hoax document. But the thing was, was this part of the document true? They'd seen they'd seen his 15-minute color film, and so then I said, well, why why are you interested? He said, well, I, I talked to Bush and I talked to to uh, Ford about it, and I said, you did? And he said, yeah. So they talked to Ford, and I said, did you see the Hallam Man Air Force Base film in your in your briefing? When you were a president, he said, yeah, I saw it. And then he said, well, when was the briefing? And then Ford says, I'm never going to go there. Don't even bother asking when the briefing was. Because if you get the brief, what the date of the briefing was, then you can sort of track back who was in the room and all this kind of stuff. He said, I'm never going to go there. Just just don't even bring it up. And they were all members of the four, former intelligence uh, organization, uh, Eric Davis and these two presidents. But Jimmy Carter wasn't. That's why he didn't have his phone number. And then he said, I've talked to Bush Sr. And I said to Bush... Did you see the Hallman Air Force Base film as in your presidential briefing? And Ford told him he said, "No, I didn't see it in the briefing, but I saw it as CIA director." And then he, they start the questions because there's all these skeptics and all these counter explanations. Oh, it was an So A-12. I
2: wonder if a president doesn't have that clearance, but if you're CIA level, uh, you can get access to it. More with Grant Cameron coming up. More between paranormal and abnormal I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal my guest Grant Cameron author of Jimmy Carter paranormal and UFO tales Grant my hackles just uh rose up when you were saying well the CIA director uh, is apparently has a need to know to get this information uh but the president doesn't
1: is that right? Well, no, the president saw it. This was the whole the whole point that that Ford said, "Yes, I saw the film." So he saw it in his presidential briefing, and that this is the story, the rumored story, and that's why when we saw in this this document that Jimmy Carter, according to the Secret Service guy, had seen this fifteen minute color film, I'm thinking this is the Hallman Air Force Base. So Jimmy Carter uh, may have seen it as well and the, the you mentioned the CIA director well the CIA director is the whole thing jimmy carter fired he wasn't afraid of george bush he, the CIA director serves at the at the request of the president and and you, you trump how many CIA guys did he go through It's like you aren't going to agree with me Boom! You're out of here. Gone. And put your friend in that runs a bank or something. They put whoever they want in there. And um, so it comes down. You may have some background that you've been in intelligence your whole life, and you pick up stuff. And that's what you see is working in in the background. Is that a lot of these people, like Eric Davis and people like that, are all working in the background, trying to find someone at a higher level, trying to figure out what's going on. And then when 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 you when you get that material, you you can use it for whatever you want. But everybody's trying to get to the to the next level, trying to find someone. that's that's that knows what's going on who's gotten the briefing and stuff like that and it seems to be scattered but the president can there's nobody that doesn't work for the president and if he decides he's going to decide he's going to figure out what's going on with ufos uh he can basically keep calling people in and if they don't answer fire them and move to the next guy and the next guy and next guy it's the the whole point is it's deadly Dead. It's toxic issue. You don't want to deal with it, and and it's national security issue. It's 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 uh if you suddenly realize these aren't extra terrestrial biological entities, that there's some sort of consciousness thing that forms and they can control people's minds and stuff like that and, and, and walk in. And there was even a story that Bill Clinton had been abducted. There was a story, uh, that was being going around back in, in that date that, that he'd been abducted. And, uh, if, if that stuff is kind of true, or if they picked up, if they suddenly realized that a CIA director had been abducted or whatever, that, that's the kind of stuff that, that that petrifies people, that you don't want the Russians to get this kind of stuff. You, you want to get it because you want to learn how to, like the, the I talk about the Skinwalker Ranch. Why did they go after Skinwalker Ranch? Why did OSEP go? There was no UFOs. Jacques Ballet in his, his diary said, 1996 and then in 1997, he said, what are we doing at Skinwalker Ranch? There's no UFOs here. There's everything but UFOs. There's no UFOs. And so why did, why did the defense intelligence agents go there? They went there because of the apportation stuff. The woman comes into the room with her groceries and puts the groceries away, goes out and comes back in and all the groceries are back in the bag. The bulls are in the trailer. They stick these bulls in this locked trailer. That's the kind of stuff they're interested in. The military people is how the heck do they do this? It's all this technology stuff and they'll be damned if they're going to give it to somebody who's curious. It's the whole idea. You do not have a need to know. They don't care if you want to know about it. So what? They're they're trying to figure out how to use this stuff against Russians. We can make better weapons. We can do all this kind of stuff. That's why they're interested in and the highest level security stuff is always going to be weapon stuff. That's how it's tied in and uh, so the president knows you, you, you're not going to go over that. Jimmy Carter actually got in a lot of trouble. I put it in the book. Jimmy Carter got in trouble because when he he was running for re-election in 1980. He mentioned the fact that we had the stealth fighter, and there's some people have done interviews that were there. They were absolutely furious at Carter that he mentioned this because immediately all the all these these satellites changed and they started going over the plant in California where they were doing it, and they had to when they were putting parts they had to move these parts from building to building because now the whole stealth operation was being was being exposed by Jimmy Carter. And there was this cartoon about Jimmy Carter with his finger in the dike and the waters pouring out with stealth. He was he he went down as this this guy that leaked the fact that we had the stealth technology. Presidents don't want to be in that kind of stuff. They they know what's, what's secret and top secret and above uh, level secrecy and uh, they, they they all play the game and they it, it, it doesn't help to put it out to the public because then you basically identify. You say, oh, tell us who the 10 top scientists working on this are. Where are the plants? Well, thank you, Russia says and China says, and they're trying to figure it out as well. And if we put the 20% we know on the table and then the Russians have the other 80%, they go, oh, thank you. That's what we needed. And now they've got the 100% and they've got the secret. Nobody wants to release it because it's a game of cards. Everybody doesn't know what the other guy's got, how much of the secret have you figured it out. And as I maintain right from the beginning, this thing is a thousand times more complex than people think it is. It's naive reality. People think it's just extraterrestrials that get lost and stuff like that. And you start looking at it and no, it is just gets really, really complex and nothing starts to make sense. And you start to in- indicate that this is some sort of thing that's here. It's conscious. Uh, even cattle mutilations, like the the cattle keep the, the the top theory I've seen is that they're all downwind and downstream from nuclear power activities. Or that when Travis Walton was abducted, every single night that Travis Walton was abducted, there was UFOs over a nuclear missile silo at Maulstrom or at a, a, a weapons area at Loring Air Force Base. Every single night he was gone. There was a the UFO incident, and these kind of things. When you start looking at it, you realize that, like there's something, there's some plan here to, to what these what this intelligence is doing. It's giving us signals. It's it's it's. And as Jim Semivan says, it takes you so far. Just it drags you along and it's doing the same thing with the president and the government drags you along, but it's never going to take you home to meet the family. It never is going to give you the whole answer. It just gives you enough to keep you curious, to keep you digging. And it's like a symbol on a door. That's what, uh, the owl guy said. It's like a symbol on a door. The, the symbol is not important. The, the UFO is not important. It's just a symbol on the door. It's the door that's important. You get curious and you say, what's this UFO doing on this door? Hey, the door. I wonder what's behind the door. You open the door and then you see this vast universe with all these things that you didn't know about. And that's what they're doing and they're moving us from one door to the next door to the next door to the next door. They're leading us along because the minute you lose your curiosity, all the research stops. Max Planck was told in 1874 by his advisor, said, Max, and He's the guy who went quantum physics. He's the father of quantum physics. And 1874, his advisor said, Max, don't get into don't don't get into physics. He said, We've figured it all out. There's nothing. There's going to be nothing to do. And that we make this mistake over and over again. We think we've got it all figured out. When in fact we have we have no clue what's going on. And if you stay curious, the more you're curious, the more you're going to learn what's actually going on. And take take seriously the idea that stuff is coming through walls that things are materializing dematerializing or as i I was mentioning this is a zendra thing that these mission rama people open these zendra things and they go in and these beings are there and i remember the one guy said uh, when i asked this translator guy i said hey they they said the thing was like a hologram and and, and, and you could see through these guys and he said "What was a hologram i said yeah there's seven other witnesses i talked to them. they all said it was a hologram he said let me tell you for a fact it was not a hologram i was standing close enough to this guy i could see the lines in his face he was real he was physical so you have these people in the same event in the same zendra portal that are are basically seeing something different and that's what we have got to realize it is so complex that we 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 want we want to tie it all up we want to stick fear on it sell it with fear and then tie it all up as if we sort of got the thing figured out and we're flying around crafts there's absolutely no way. If 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 we had this technology, I think we should have done a little bit better against the camel jockey army in Afghanistan. They kicked us, and we got kicked out of there. And we think we've got all figured out. We should be doing better in 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 uh, in, in uh, Ukraine. Uh, it, it, we're still lobbing bombs back and forth, and you know mortars and stuff like this. I don't think we have any technology. I think that's that's a thing. We have some idea about the metal. Like you take a look at the metal and they go, oh, "This is weird. It's got 84 levels." And that's what they're doing. They're 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 getting you curious. It's like, how do they do 84 levels? It's one out amount of time. And then we're trying to figure out how do they do this. And 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 it's like it makes no sense that a piece is going <laughs> to fall off a flying saucer, and, and after it's come all the way here, and that we're suddenly going to find this thing. That they're doing this on purpose. They're leading us down like a like a carrot in front of us. And um, we do not have the answers. I, I don't think we have really anything. Okay, so can that, I
2: interject what, here? Are Are you sure. not believing nope. David Grush and his claims that the US is in possession of crashed UFOs? Well, and has, sure.
1: Like, and okay, and Leslie Kane, I asked when Leslie Kane went into a physical mediumship thing with, with Stuart Alexander, I said, Leslie, uh, all I want to know is one question, Leslie, did you see the hand? And she said, Yeah. I said, Really? there was a hand? And it said, yeah, I touched it. It materialized out of nowhere. She said it was like a real hand. She could feel the knuckles. She could feel the tendons. It was warmer than a real hand. It was soft. She said it was real. And I've seen this hand a couple of times. And so if you can make a hand appear in a physical medium, you can drop a body. That's what I'm saying. Take a look at the alien autopsy thing. Every said is a hoax. It was, but they got it anatomically correct. According to what I say, there's no belly button. There's no sex organs. There's no nipples. So is this a biological thing or is it something like the hand and a physical mediumship that they can make it appear. That's what Bob Bigelow who ran the program, Bob Bigelow ran the OSAT program. And he said, I think they're seeding it. I think they're dropping these things on purpose. And Tim Taylor is the top NASA guy with all the clearances. He's the guy that, that has all these inventions that he gets from them and, and uh top top guy. And he said they don't come across the galaxy and then crash. They're, Gifting this stuff, he calls it the gifting field. They're giving us this stuff on purpose. So yeah, Grush may be right. Yeah, they've got bodies and they got crafts, but that doesn't mean they've got it figured out. I mean, if you look, and the body's not breathing. That's what Jacques. That's what uh, David uh, Jacob said. It doesn't appear that they eat or that they drink or that they go to the bathroom or that they breathe. And so, if they've got a body and they suddenly realize it doesn't breathe, it doesn't. It doesn't have sex organs and stuff are you going to release that that's going to be absolutely devastating to, to the world view of how things work and that the craft was dropped that it was actually uh, dropped here and 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 i did the book called the uh, the ufo sky Pilots. and i go through this kind of stuff the advanced stuff that people on there 36 people who claim they've in the craft all basically said the same thing you're told to put your hand on a panel on a ball and that you become one of the craft the craft is alive and whatever you think is is where the craft goes and when they tell you they where do you want to go and The one guy said, I want to see the Milky Way from a distance. They said, okay, it's within you. Go within yourself. You have to imagine it. And then we'll go in one second, we'll go there. And that's the whole thing. They keep being told it's within you. It's what the the physicist uh, John Wheeler said, there is no out there, out there and or people say i saw in 360 degrees this said i'm on the ship and i can see in 360 degrees and 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 the idea that the craft is biological and that that it that it can think and that you can talk to it and everything is telepathic that when you start seeing that kind of stuff you realize that we have there's no way we have that kind of technology. There's absolutely no way. So you may have a craft, and that's if you take a look at the Wilson leak document, which I was the guy that put it out on the internet to help get it out on the internet. If you take a look at Wasn't the end, that it the says. was the
2: document mentioned in one of the recent hearings? The Admiral Wilson is yeah, the yeah one? They
1: read it into the congressional. They read it into the congressional record. Right. But in that document, at the very end, it says one. It says says two things that a lot of them say. There's no abductions. There's an event, but Kit Green and uh, Edgar Mitchell, and they all say the same thing. No, it's not what you think it is. The abduction is not what you think it is, but. It's said we have a craft and we think it'll fly and I've heard that story for decades and what does that mean? That means they've got a craft and we've heard this rumor over and over again. They have a craft. It's completely intact and they can't turn it on. And it, you can't turn it on because the people who've flown the craft says, you have to put your hand against the panel. There's a consciousness interface. It's like putting your thumbprint on your on your, on your your cell phone. You need the consciousness interface to turn the craft on. So they have a craft, but they can't turn it on because it's got to do with consciousness. We think it's like a little thing. We'll pull the engine out. And we're all going to make a billion dollars and stuff like that. And the more you, when you start talking to the people who've been on the craft and tell these stories of flying the craft, you or you, hell put off. Tell me we got this technology. put Putoff talks about this, and I've seen this from all these people been on the craft tell the same thing. Chris Buster said, I go and the craft's thirty feet across and then the door opens, I go inside the craft and go, Oh, it's huge in here. And he looks outside, it's 30 feet across, looks inside, it's like the size of a football stadium inside. And and Help off said, Boy, I'd sure like to know how they can do that. And I've heard even the ones on the ground do the same thing. That when you go inside the craft, it's huge on the inside. And you you go outside the craft and this is a crash flying saucer. That kind of technology is just like mind-bending, that that if you can develop this kind of... And the, the government doesn't care. They just want to develop... The, the, the Black Ops people, they just want to develop it. And I can guarantee you DARPA and all these people are doing everything they can. That's why they did MKUltra. They didn't do MKUltra. They wanted to do uh, mind control. They're trying to figure out how the brain worked. They had an alien how did they know that telepathy was involved? The Canadians were told in 1950. They said we were told by American officials that other things might be associated with the flying saucers, such as mental phenomena. And then six months later, they start the MK Ultra program in Montreal, Canada, 60 was that miles during down the road. Project Magnet, that they were told that. Well, that, was, that was Magnet ran from 50 to 54, and the first memo was written in 1950. And 51 is when the MK Ultra thing started down the road. And what they were doing is the Americans. The thing was, how did the Americans know? to tell the Canadians in 1950 that mental phenomena was involved in the UFO thing. Nobody had even talked to an alien. Adamski did not come forward till 1952 after the detonation of the hydrogen bomb. So nobody was talking to aliens. It's not like, Oh, I talked to an alien. He was telepathic. Nobody was talking to aliens in 1950. And the Canadians were told that mental phenomena was involved. So how did they know that? Because in 1947, they had the Roswell crash. And when we talked to Dr. Eric Walker, he said, he said, this. how do you know? He said, they're all dead. How do you know? How do you know they didn't get up and walk away? Well, apparently one of them did get up and walk away. They had a live alien at Roswell. The, you hear these stories from the Roswell investigators that they had this live alien and it was talking in people's heads. So if you're 1947, you go, Oh my goodness, this thing's talking in our heads. Boy, if we could do that, we could go and talk in Putin's head and tell him he's talking to God and all the implications. Are you going to tell people because they're curious? I want to know how an atomic bomb is built. Tell me how to No, we're not going to tell you. We're going to try to figure this thing out because it's absolutely the person who runs it or gets it rules the world. If an if an alien can talk in your head and this sort of stuff, the, can Canadians knew this in 1950. They were told by the Americans. And so that's why they did kelter It wasn't so much the brainwashing. They're trying to figure out how consciousness works. They're trying to get control with, with 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 consciousness because they realize that the alien can actually go into your head. And that's a military thing you'd like to have. Same thing as having a, a craft where you can see in 360 degrees if you're inside that's the kind of stuff that you want to do or how do you put bulls inside a trailer if you look at slide nine that the 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 the, the whole thing with the briefings that were given to congress slide nine take a look at it it talks about going through metal they got yeah. all this stuff from skinwalker ranch.
2: Right. we got to wrap up our conversation with grand Cameron right after this into the paranormal paranormal Uh, We could talk all night, perhaps with Grant Cameron, but time not on our side, our final segment here. Uh, Grant, I've got to ask you about the... uh the developments that have happened up in Canada over the past couple of months. Uh, an, uh, an official, apparently, government study. Uh, and also uh, the Canadian government taking part in an international meeting on UFOs that was hosted at the uh, U.S. military headquarters along with the U.K., Australia, and New Zealand. And, of course, this comes actually just months after a unidentified object, of some sort was shot down in the Canadian airspace. So what's your take on all of this?
1: Well, I don't believe the object was um, UFO. I, I, I don't for sure, but, I mean, it's, it's um, kind of just like chasing UFO stories. It doesn't really get you anywhere. It's just like another story. As to the briefing thing, I actually uh, made an, um, what we call an access to information here request with CSIS. Which is uh, the agencies that would be dealing with the five eyes if there was any? And I basically asked, "What, what in what what are we doing with the five eyes uh, intelligence, whatever?" And they basically wrote back exactly what I would expect they would write back. They said, "If this stuff did exist, it would be classified. You don't have a need to know. And here's how the the game is played." And they basically just said, "No." I mean, we're not even going to go there. We're not going to confirm or deny anything that you're asking here. And so that, that went nowhere. As to the study, the Canadian government was supposed to do this study. One of the interesting stories was that uh, Larry McGuire, who started the whole thing, I provided him all the material from the early 1950s when the Canadians actually said they were told by American officials flying saucers exist. It's the most highly classified subject in the United States. It's of tremendous significance to the Americans and mental phenomena involved. And now we're going to go back to sightings again. And the the, the woman that's doing it is her name is uh, Dr. Mona Nimmer, and she actually was head of research at the University of Ottawa, and that's where all Wilbur Smith's files are. He's the guy that ran the first government UFO program. He was a contactee. He said UFOs are real. He was told by the Americans he saw the bodies, he saw the craft, all this kind of stuff. And I can guarantee the new report is not going to have anything about the old stuff. They're going to play the same scam they're playing in the United States. Let's look at UFO sightings. We'll give you a place to investigate UFO sightings because that will go on for another 100 years. We have to get out of grade one, assume this is for real, and then start to look at um, what's actually going on. Who are these people? The, the Collecting sightings is a total waste of time other than to can tell people that something's actually going on. Something's going on. UFOs are real. It's time to quit counting red ones and green ones and all this kind of stuff. So this report is supposed to come out I'll guarantee you it will not have the 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 former stuff from the Canadians because they're going to have to admit even the major UFO researchers don't ad- admit the fact that the Canadians said it was for real in 1950. We want to go, "Oh, let's prove to our friends and neighbors that this is is real." And and the last thing we had a, we actually had a meeting. We were going to there was 10 MPs that were going to come forward in Canada members of parliament and um, uh, I was—I had a panel with Lou Alzando and Mellon, and uh, uh, Nolan was going to be involved in, and Loeb and all these guys. And these ten MPs were going to ask questions of these four panelists. We were going to broadcast this on YouTube all over the place. And uh, the American uh, people on the panel and the American side wanted us to do the threat thing, the threat to national security. I said, well, we've got no military cases, not a threat to national security. And the Canadians want to do a scientific investigation. It's the science advisor to the prime minister of Canada who's doing it. They're going to do And we kept insisting the aide to the MP was saying, and I was saying, nope, it's got to be a scientific investigation. And then uh, Chris Mellon said, that's the poison pill. I'm gone. And boom, it all fell apart because we wouldn't do the military threat thing. And so this report's going to come out. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be, oh, who files UFO reports? Where should we file them? Where should we go? All this kind of stuff. And we can keep filing reports for the next 200 years. We're not going to learn it. We have to admit UFOs are real and start talking to the people who've been on the craft and have the encounters and start figuring this thing out based upon those kind of eyewitness testimony and why are they here? Who is this? Because uh, to me it doesn't. Uh, 1975. I would have said definitely ET. Uh, I don't believe that anymore. I think this is so complex, and I don't think the government really knows very much of of anything. They so, they may have bodies and crafts, but that doesn't mean they know where they came from, or or how to turn the craft on, or or, or what's what's going on. You can have all the hard because you got all. Sorts of, I've got three pieces of hardware. It, it doesn't tell me anything. I got the hardware. It's it's all very cool and stuff like that, but no.
2: So do you think that there's going to be uh, hearings in Parliament like what's happened in, in the U.S. Congress? We only have a minute left.
1: Well, I, I would hope so, but we don't have we don't have the ability to get the witnesses. There's no major witnesses in Canada to pull in there. I mean, you can't. Uh, the Americans aren't going to come into a Canadian hearing. I mean, you want to get people like Lou Elizondo, uh, Jim Semivan, people like that. The Canadians aren't going to bring them in. So they'll have these hearings, and it's like, you know, where where should we investigate? Where do the sightings go? How many sightings we got? What did we do? And it's it's the same. Same thing we've been done since 1947. That's like I say, I've been in this for 48 years, and it's like grade one every year. And it's like, let's yeah. investigate UFOs. And it's like, no, no, I've been in grade one 47 times, so I don't <laughs> want to do it again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one
2: thinking of it that way. Grant Cameron's website, it's all allconnected.weebly.com, whitehouseufo.blogspot.com. We'll keep our eye on what's going up in Canada and look forward to having you back, Grant.
1: Beautiful. Thanks for your
2: time. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night and
0: God bless.